Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. All right. How's everybody doing today? You doing all right? Awesome. Man, I'm super excited. Uh, We're diving into God's word today. If you're new or maybe you haven't been here in a little bit, my name is Lauren, and I get to be the associate pastor here uh, my wife is also the associate pastor here, but she's been pastoring our children a little more intensely. Oh, she's right here. I heard her laugh. I can't see you, but I heard her laugh. Um, but we now have four children as of 12 weeks ago, 12 weeks ago on the dot, right? 940-ish he was born, right? 1040, never mind. I was close. <laughs> Minus one hour from that. Um, anyways, uh, too much information. I'm talking about uh, Jesus today. That's what we like to talk about at church. Uh, We're talking about Jesus. This series is walking verse by verse through the book of Mark, which of the Gospels is the most to the point, um, which I can appreciate. Um, And we've been walking through this book for almost three years, believe it or not. Um, And it's, it's been my favorite series that we've ever done in the history of Project Church. Um, And today the message title is called The Weight of His Words. How many know that sometimes some words are just words? Sometimes some words have some depth, have some weight, have some deeper implications to them. Uh, I've noticed that uh, as a dad, and probably before I was a dad, I just like to joke. I like to, you know, mess with people. And it probably came up more as a dad because I have these uh, attentive um, uh, victims, maybe. I can tell these jokes to, like, consistently. Um, So they've they've gotten used to me, and now they, like, don't believe half of the things I say. And so now, but then they started having friends come over, and they would, like, like, for example, a kid would come over to our house and be like, hey, Lauren, could we have some snacks? And I'd be like, sorry. A big old hairy gorilla came in last night and ate our snacks. Sorry. And she'd be like, what? And then after a few more of those, she stopped believing like anything I had to say. And so legit, this happened just a few months ago. I was chilling at my house by myself. It was, it was a weird experience to be in a house, like in my house with like silence and like nothing happened. And I was just enjoying like a peaceful like afternoon. It was, it was cool. And all of a sudden, someone knocks on my door, and it's this four-year-old girl wanting to play with my four-year-old girl. And she's like, hey, is Hall in there? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm all by myself. And she literally put her hand on her hip like this and was like, I'm like, no, I, I'm serious. There's no one. I'm all by myself. I was like, hey, anybody home? Look, no one's home. And she's all, what about upstairs? And I was like, I'm having an argument with the four-year-old about who's in and I was like, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. It's kind of like the boy who cried wolf, except this would be like the dad who told too many jokes or something like that. Uh, and the, like my weight, my words didn't carry much weight because of how much. So sometimes it's just some words. But other times there's words that have a lot of weight. The weightiest, heaviest, deepest implications of words I've ever said was when I got down on one knee and said, will you marry me? 
I remember that. So, so here's, here's how it, that, why I say that. It's because the day before, it was a Friday, and I was like planning out the day that I would pop the big question. And I was like excited about it. I planned all this stuff. There was supposed to be a hot air balloon ride. We were going to go to San Francisco, do a bunch of fun stuff, go to the woods. I was going to pop the question at the end of the day. So I had all the details planned out. But I noticed I started feeling like a little weird. And I thought I was, I was like, oh, I'm hungry. I remember it was the afternoon. And I was like, went and got in and out. I distinctly remember slamming down a double-double. And then I was like, wait a second. It's it's still there. Like this emotional weight was manifest, manifesting in a physical, like it hurt, like my gut was feeling weird. I, I thought it was hungry, but it didn't solve the problem. I was still like so nervous, so like, because, why was I nervous? Because the weight of these words, because what they meant, they weren't just four words, will you marry me? It meant what those words meant was I'm committing the rest of my life to you. And that is scary. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That is a really scary thing to do. It, it's just like your whole life. I am, I'm not just saying this. I'm not just like, hey, why not? I didn't, I didn't approach it that way. The way I saw it is a lifelong commitment. And I think sometimes we have to recognize the weight of our words, but more importantly, I'd say when we read Scripture, and I do this sometimes, and I'll read, read Scripture, and I'm like, am I grasping the weight of what Jesus is saying? And there's this passage that I want to highlight, and I want us, my goal today is to, to grasp the weight of what Jesus said here in Mark chapter 14. He said some very weighty words. This was about the Passover, and this scripture is called the Last Supper. And we're going to go in to talk about a little bit what it means. But when I read it, I don't think the disciples grasped the weight of the words. He said some interesting things that probably confused them. And the reason I'm pretty sure they didn't grasp the weight of his words is because in Luke's gospel, he records the Last Supper, and immediately after Jesus said these weighty words, talking about the new covenant, saying, I'm going to die, I'm bringing about a new system, a new kingdom, a new way you connect to God, they started arguing about who is the greatest in the kingdom. He says these revolutionary words, these prophetic words, the fulfillment of prophecy, saying these words, and the disciples started arguing over who's greatest. I'm better. You're be- I'm better. No, no, I'm better. And so I, ca- I see Jesus doing a face palm right there. Like I, see- I could just see him like talking. And, and these are teenagers. These are like 18 to 22 years old. They're young bucks just hanging out with Jesus. So you got to keep that in mind. But still, they missed it. And so my prayer for us again today is that we won't miss it. People go before us. People like the disciples make these mistakes that we can learn from them. That's what Scripture is there for. And so when I look at this, I want to grasp the weight of, the, weight of his words. Here's the statement that I want to uh, inform our thinking as we read these words. Is that if we don't grasp the weight of his words, we're going to chase after frivolous things. 
We're going to chase after things that don't matter. We're going to be starting to argue over things that have no meaning. They're meaningless. We're going to be focused on our thing. Our purpose is we're going to think about these things that don't have any kingdom impact. The disciples saw, heard these words from Jesus, and I kind of picture it. Him, they were just saying like, because it was right before he was passing out the food. They were having the last supper. It was about Passover. And, and I'm going to talk again about what that means. But they were having a meal together. And, but before he ate, he said these words that confused them. And I just kind of see them saying like, cool, can we eat now? Like it was flying over their heads. And I can relate. I, 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 I say that because I can see myself doing that. When something doesn't land, I'm not always the one to be like, let me try to understand what you mean. I'm just like, you're kind of confusing me. There's food right in front of me. I'm going to like, can, we, can I... Is it okay to eat now? But as I look back at this, I realize this is Jesus' words, so important and so heavy, and they can inform us. When we grasp the weight of his words, on the contrary of this statement, we live our lives with purpose. We live our lives as scripture informing our decisions, and as Psalm saying, being a light to our path is informing us, directing us with the purpose that God created for us. And I want to challenge us. It's such a simple passage today. It's such, such a simple, a few words that we're looking at. But the weight should inform our decisions to live with purpose. So, so that's my goal. So let's look at, so last week, uh, Caleb preached on the kind of the setup of the Last Supper. He talked about, hey, there's someone here that's going to betray me. There's someone in this room. There's only... 13 of us, including me, and one of you guys is going to betray me. But then he goes into the Last Supper, and he talks about what this means. So what, was, what did this mean to the disciples at the time? What did it mean to Jerusalem? What did it mean to the, to the culture at this time? Well, every year for one week, it was usually in April, they would, they would celebrate something that, honestly, we have no comparison to. A town of 20,000 people would swell to 500,000 people because they would all come back and celebrate how God brings people out of freedom. I am the God that sets you free. What were they remembering? They were remembering how 1,300 years prior, God set them free from captivity, physical captivity over the Egyptian rule, set them free from Pharaoh using Moses and the Ten Commandments. And, and on the last commandment, man, they got more brutal and more brutal and more brutal. And finally, that last, or sorry, I said commandments, the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And what was significant about that is that is where Passover comes from. That on that 10th plague, uh, God informed Moses to inform the people to put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost post. And the angel of death would come over. And if there was bl the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, that death would pass over. That death would pass over and not take you out, not take the firstborn out. And that is what they, they commemorated. That's what that huge ceremony, that, that huge festival, that huge celebration, like I said, I can't think of anything that compares to that. 20,000 people, uh, that town in Jerusalem, swelling to 500,000 people. This was a big deal, but they saw it as celebrating what God had done for their ancestors. We're talking about 20 to 25 generations ago. They were still celebrating that God is the God who sets people free. 
So that's, that's some of the context of what was happening. He, Jesus brought them up into the upper room and he breaks the tradition. Here's what's unique. He broke the tradition because there was not just bread and a, and a cup. There wasn't just bread and wine, but there was also a lamb that was roasted to, to partake of. That was the Passover meal. But in this last supper, there was bread and there was wine, but there was no lamb on the table. That's because Jesus is described as the Lamb of God who takes the sin of the world away. And so we see that, and we see, and, but the disciples didn't get it. That was the wait. The disciples started arguing after. And so my prayer, as we read this scripture starting in verse 22, we grasp the weight of his words here. Let's read together. Verse 22 says, As they were eating, he took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks to, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me real quick that we would receive, that we would have hearts to understand. God, that's what we want. We want to hear from you. I pray for myself. That would be less of me, and it wouldn't be what I want to say, but what you want to say, God. Open up our hearts. Open up our ears. Open our minds that we can receive what you want to impart to us today. God, we are so grateful for all you've done, and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So I have four quick points of what I observe of why his words are carrying so much weight here. Why do these words carry so much weight? Number one is this, is that, that these words were prophetic and they were the fulfillment of prophecy. They were actually the fulfillment of over 300 prophecies. Jesus' life was the fulfillment of over 300 prophecies. What does that mean? That means hundreds of years before in the New Testament, we have the records in the minor prophets like Malachi, in the major prophets like Isaiah, and even in the Psalms, even back to Deuteronomy. We're talking about a span of hundreds to even thousands of years that we have record of in Scripture. He is fulfilling over 300 prophecies. And it is, it, I, I've tried, I've, I've done some research. It is almost impossible to grasp the probability of what's taking place. Um, there was actually some people from MIT that tried, so, that, so we're talking 300 prophecies, uh, and they're so specific that a, uh, so a group from MIT tried to calculate the probability of Jesus fulfilling just eight of those prophecies. And the probability was one in a hundred trillion. And even that, we, like I say that, and it sounds like, oh, let's, you know, give it a shot. Maybe like it's the lottery. No, we, we can't comprehend that. And then they try to do more, and it's just... Like you, you try to type it in on your iPhone calculator and your phone will explode. <laughs> we, we can't understand the, the calculations of that. It's just impossible. And so what does that say to me? What that says to me when I think about how Jesus is doing what is impossible to calculate, that there's no way to make this up, there's no way to, to, uh, for man to make this happen. It is a divine, God-ordained Thing. That means that he has planned every single thing. And that when he says these words, people were anticipating it. 
people were looking for, looking for freedom because Jesus, ha- or like we said, they're looking at Passover and remembering. Oh yeah, remember hundreds of years ago when my great 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 grandpa was like in Egypt, and then God set him free. He was in slavery. They were ridiculous conditions. That was bad, bad slavery. And but the prophecy was then there was all these prophecies about a second or about another. Uh, another freedom, another freeing, another breaking free the captives. And so when Jesus came and said, hey, I'm here to set the captives free, they thought about a physical freedom. They thought just like they were under Roman rule. It wasn't, it wasn't good. They were being taxed so much. It was, it was ridiculous, the conditions in which they were. So they thought, man, I'm going to be set free from governmental rule, just like my great, 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 Back there, they were set free from this captivity of physical, governmental rule over them. That's what they were looking for. But Jesus said, well, no, no, no. I may, you, may, you may think that governmental thing is bad, and you may think that's your main problem, but I'm talking about a spiritual freedom. I'm talking about a relationship with God. You think this problem of having, having oppression over you, government, that is bad. I see that. But the bigger problem is your connection to God. And he's saying, I am here to set you free in a greater way than you're imagining. You didn't see it coming. You're expecting it to be a physical freedom. But I'm talking about coming and bringing about a spiritual freedom where you can have communion and fellowship and right standing with God. That's the prophecy that he was talking about. But it wasn't what they were expecting. So I think that's partly why they didn't see it coming and they didn't grasp it. Prophecy teaches us when we, when we recognize how improbable this is. It teaches, it informs me. It makes me lean into his words because there is no way to make this up. I don't know how people don't believe the Bible. In my opinion, that's because they haven't researched it enough. Because as I read, there's like, you can't make this stuff up. You can't. And as you, as you realize that prophecy is being fulfilled, that hundreds of years prior, it's happening exactly how he said it was going to happen. That informs me that he is in control, that he will always be in control. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for you. And he is never going to lose control. That's what it tells me. And so quickly I can lose sight of that. And so that's why reading these words, I lean in by understanding how this is very prophetic. Isaiah 53, uh, verses 5 through 6 says, But he was pierced. Again, this is about 600 years before this happened. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like... Uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And, have, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is what Jesus was talking about. Isaiah was talking about what Jesus was then saying. This is going to happen. See those wounds? You all are going to give me those wounds. See, I'm going to be crushed and you all are going to put me on that cross. But it's also your sin I'm becoming. It's your sin I'm putting on that cross for you. My blood's poured out for you so that you can have right standing with God. This is incredibly prophetic and it causes me to lean in. But if the disciples would have recognized that this is what they were talking about, because they knew the prophecy, they knew the word, they knew the Old Testament, but they didn't catch it still with Jesus right in front of them. And if they would have caught that, 
I'm not sure what they would have done, but I know they wouldn't have been talking about who's the greatest in the kingdom right after Jesus said those words. And that's why I think so many times when we're talking about meaningless things, when we're chasing after things that don't have any kingdom purpose, it is probably because we are not grasping the weight of Jesus's words. When we, when we lean into this, man, I, I tell you honestly, like all these things that I become worried about, all these things that I think matter, that I'm worried, like whether it be financial, whether that be with my relationship, whether it be whether I want the Sacramento Kings to get at least to the playoffs this year. I'm like, these things don't even matter. Like all these things are meaningless when it comes and, and, and falls so far down on the priority list when I lean into the word of God and the weight of what Jesus is saying. And so if you're stressed out, here's this kind of a, uh, uh, an application from this. If you find yourself worried and stressed and filled with anxiety, it is probably because your, your priorities of, of what you think is important are not being informed by Scripture. When you lean into Scripture I, and you, you understand the weight of what matters, those priorities start to shift. And I know we talk about how Jesus, or how it's, how it's promised in Scripture, that to cast all anxiety upon him, for he cares for you. That, that's absolutely true. But I also believe the, 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 uh, the preparation for that, that you can avoid that anxiety so you don't even have to cast it all on him, is simply by letting Scripture inform your priorities and not worry about the things that don't matter. If the disciples would have recognized this, they wouldn't have been talking about who's the greatest. I believe they would have been talking about how can we get other people in on this good news? How can we get other people to, to, to understand this is a big deal? The second thing is that it was pivotal. It changed everything about everything. See, some things uh, just need some, some minor changes, but other things need a full-on overhaul. Like... Come, it just came back to me, Sacramento Kings, you know, <laughs> for the longest time. We've been doing these little tweaks. I've been a fan for four years, just, just so close, so I can't relate to the full, full, uh, full struggle some people have. But, but some, sometimes we're just trying to do all these tweaks, and sometimes things just need a full-on overhaul. Jesus didn't come to just make some minor changes to the religious system because the religious system did not need some minor changes, some cosmetic touch-ups. The religious system needed a full overhaul. The religious system was so flawed because the religious system said, I got to earn my way. I'm following the law, the law of 613 laws that were put in place that say, man, if you do these things, you will have right standing with God. But that is a very flawed thing because we are very flawed people. And I don't know about you, but I can't follow all 613 of those laws. And the purpose of the Old Testament, because some people talk about the Old Testament like, Psh. That's Old Testament. That don't apply to me. It's like, I don't need to read that. That's, that's, that's Old Testament, bro. Why are you going there? The purpose of the Old Testament is show the need for the New Testament. The purpose of the Old Testament is to show how flawed we are, to show how we cannot do it on our own. And a lot of the people at the time thought, I can do it on my own. I can actually get to God. I can actually have right standing with God. I can earn this righteousness. But, but Jesus was pointing out, you know what? 
You're, 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 you're off. You cannot make it. I'm flipping the religious system and saying, I'm taking my sin upon that, 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 the sacrificial lamb. I'm becoming that sacrificial lamb, and I'm going to make a way so that all people can have right standing with God. All people can have communion with God, have fellowship, be in relationship with God. And so this wasn't a, a, a cosmetic touch-up to the religious system. What Jesus was saying was he's changing everything about how you connect to God. And the disciples, I don't know, didn't want to hear it or didn't catch it. They didn't grasp the weight of what Jesus was saying. The third thing that, that it emphasizes is that it was permanent. It happened once and for all. Hebrews uh, chapter, I believe it's chapter 10, verse 14. It says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. See that? By one single offering. Jesus doesn't have to come back and be like, oh, some more people were added to the population. Let me go take care of it for this new batch. Oh, that first one didn't, didn't cut it. Some people gone on sin some more, so I got to go back and die for them again. That single offering covered us for all time. Jesus is offering, Jesus' sacrifice has perfected us, made us right standing, has completed it. That one sacrifice was enough for eternity. The weight of those words would be so much more meaningful if, you, if we were used to, to making sacrifices. See, we don't even appreciate it as much because we didn't have to say, man, I messed up this last week. I got to go find a sacrifice. I got to go find an animal to shed some blood and, and go to the high priest and, and do a lot of ritualistic things in order for me to have right standing with God. But if I lived on that side of the, the new covenant, if I, if I lived on that side of the cross, I would appreciate this side of the cross so much more. But I want to put myself there and say, thank you, God. I want it to produce gratitude, which has been a theme throughout the service, a theme of, or a, a heart of gratitude that says, thank you, God, for giving me victory over sin. Thank you, God, for taking my place on the cross. You see, it was called the Last Supper, uh, not necessarily because it was Jesus' last meal. This was on Wednesday. So Thursday, he might have had a bite to eat on Thursday before he went to the cross on Friday. I don't I'd be hungry. But it's not, it's not called the Last Supper because it was Jesus' last meal. It was called the Last Supper because this is the last meal, the last sustenance that you will ever need to be satisfied. It's the Last Supper because there is nothing else needed. Because you will no longer need to hunger. You will no longer need to be thirsty because his sacrifice was sufficient. That is why it is the last supper, because it is sufficient for all time, for the sin that you had yesterday, for the sin you have next week. It is sufficient for you and for all of humanity for all time. It is permanent. On the, la on the cross, the last thing he said, it is finished. His last breath he was able to muster up. He said, it is finished. It is complete. It has been perfected, or different translations of, those, of, of that word. He said, it is done. There is nothing left. There is no more work necessary. Which means, leads me to the last thing I notice, the last thing that adds so much weight, is that, hey, it was prophetic. It was pivotal. It was permanent. And lastly, it was personal. 
It was personal for you. You see that, that verse 24, he says, this is my blood which is poured out for many. Mark records it, but Luke records it. In Luke's gospel of the Last Supper, he records it. This is my blood which is poured out for you. Personal. It's not poured out for my friends. It is. But it's poured out for you personally. Have you personalized what Christ has done on the cross? Or is it just something that was handed down and you know about? You know that Jesus died. He did it. That's great. But is it personal? There is nothing, nothing more personal than taking the weight of all the bad things you've done, all the ways that you've disobeyed God, all the flaws, all the error, all the sin in your life. That's personal. He became that sin on the cross. There's nothing more personal than that, than God knowing you so deeply, but also loving you so deeply. Scripture says the verse that we all know, for God so loved the world that he sent his son so that he'd go up on that cross so that none shall perish, but have eternal life. That's personal. That's for you. And see, that was the shift that the disciples needed to make because for the longest time they were saying, man, th- Passover was just thanking them about their 1,300 years ago. Thanks for doing that for my great-grandpa. Thanks for bringing them out. Yes, yes, I'll celebrate. But I don't know about you, but I feel like that would start to be impersonal. I don't know about you, but Fourth of July, sometimes all I'm thinking about is fireworks and hot dogs. I'm not thinking about 1776 and what it was like in 1775. And sometimes you lose that connection. Sometimes it's hard to connect with history of of celebrating. We absolutely should look back and and celebrate all the things. But Jesus was saying, hey, I'm not going to just have you celebrate what your ancestor did. I'm not going to just have you celebrate what I did for your ancestors. You don't need to just celebrate and look back on how I brought your ancestors out of slavery. I want you to celebrate and look now how I'm bringing you out of slavery. I'm bringing you out of captivity. I'm bringing you out of captivity of the sin. I'm bringing you out of captivity of anxiety and depression. I'm bringing you, I did this for you. We have to personalize the cross. We have to personalize what Jesus did because he said, my blood is poured out for you. And see, some people have a hard time with things being done for them. We've been, some of us have been developed with an earning perspective. And we grew up and say, hey, you got to earn this. You got to earn this. I'm raising my hand. You got to earn this. But Jesus says, hey, there's no way you can earn this. There's no way you can earn righteousness. That's what the Old Testament proved. That humanity, you can't earn your own righteousness. You can't earn your way to God. You're going to fall and you're going to fall and you're going to fall. And, and the Old Testament just reminds us of how flawed we are and how we can't make our way to God. But that's why God made his way to us and he sacrificed his son so that we can have right standing with him. And so we're going we're gonna to go into a time of communion. We do this every six weeks, and, and it lined up for us to, to partake together and, and do this because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And so we call it communion, commemorating the Last Supper. So if you didn't get one of these on the way in, I'm going to have the host be walking around. Um, and if you guys could grab those, just have those ready. If you didn't get one, could you just raise your hand real quick? The host team will help you f- help find you.
So you, that first layer, these are like the to-go COVID versions, so you're good. So you just pull off that first la- layer. And so what I want you to do is just hold it. Don't, don't go for it yet. But just hold it. And, and let's just simply look at Jesus' words. We just read it. But, but I want it to settle in and us to grasp the weight of his words and let that, let that speak to you. Sometimes I feel like it's my job to come up with the application, so, but I'm, I, I actually felt like just let his word do the, do the preaching. Let's just let God speak to you right where you're at. Let God speak to you in your heart. So would you just take that, that wafer that, that represents the bread, representing his body that was broken for you. And I just want to pray before we partake of each element and actually have us uh, follow what Paul commanded us to do before we take the communion. And I love this. It's examine yourself. Scripture said in 1 Corinthians 11, to, 11, to examine yourself before you partake. And how powerful of a thing that is to do, to examine yourself before a God who loves us. And when you examine yourself, and when I examine myself, and when I talk about my heart, I'll find some things like, man, but I don't have to be ashamed of that because God says, well, that's what I did for you on the cross. Identify it so you can, you can have forgiveness and healing from that, that what he did on the cross. So would you just take the, the, the bread and pray with me? God, thank you for your body that was broken. Thank you that you did it for us. I pray that you would speak to us. Let us examine our heart. Lead us to repentance. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, let's partake together. As we grab the cup, the question I want us to evaluate or examine, the way we can examine ourselves, I wrote down to ask ourselves this question. Are you trying to earn your righteousness? Or are you receiving his grace? A scripture that comes to mind is that his kindness leads us to repentance. His kindness can lead us to repentance. When I think about the goodness of God, just leads me to lay everything down. When I think about the goodness, the kindness of God, leads me to lay all my sin, lay all my flaws out on the table before him and just remind myself how much I need him, how much I can't earn righteousness, how much I can't earn my way to, to intimacy with him. I can't earn my way to, to fellowship with him that it's only received, it's not earned. So let's reflect with that question. Are you trying to earn righteousness. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for the blood that was poured out for us, the pain that you felt, and you did that for us so that we can have fellowship with you. And I pray right now that you would lead us closer to you. For every individual in this place that has things heavy on their heart, that has has worry and anxiety, that has fear, God, everyone in this place God, just draw us closer to you supernaturally. Speak to individuals in this place, God, even now, as we draw close to you.
Thank you, Jesus. Let's partake together. Lastly, before we close out music, I just want us to have this time of, of response. Would you just bow your or keep your head bowed? And would you just say, yeah, as I'm examining myself, I realize, man, I need, I need to give something to God. I need, he's showing me something I need to, to, to submit over to him. And maybe he's changing your heart of that, uh, that message of trying to earn your righteousness, trying to, trying to get there on your own. Maybe that was for you. Could I just know who I'm praying for? And you just say, yeah, that's me. I want, to, I want prayer for that. The count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three, just put it up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You can put it right back down. Anybody else just put it up? Put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you so much. Lastly, if you're here and maybe you do not have a relationship with God, maybe you feel so far from him. I feel strongly that this message was for for someone today that feels so distant from God and feels like I don't know how to get back into a relationship with God or how to start a relationship with God. This message is for you and the message is you do not have to earn it. You don't have to go out there and fix your life. He sees you right where you are and he comes to you just like he came down to you, to this earth. And so I just want to say, if that's you, you don't have to go out, change your life, and get get all right. He says, I'm here, and all you have to do is receive his grace. And if that's you, I just want to pray for you that you would receive it. You don't have to do anything else. Just receive and open your heart to him. And on the count of three, I ask you to do something bold. Just put your hand up. And just so I could pray with you. One, two, three. Don't hesitate. Just put it up. Thank you so much. Two, three, four. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Five people. Six people. Thank you. You can put it right back down. Anybody else that I missed, just put it up. Put it right back down. Thank you, sweetheart, in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would we all, can we all stand together? And I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now, just as we go into this song. And all I'm asking you to do is just repeat these words, but you're not just saying the words. There's weight to these words. Would you just pray this? Say, Jesus, I need you. I recognize I have sin. But I recognize you took that sin on the cross. I receive your grace today. Help me to understand. Give me strength to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate? There was six hands, I believe, that went up for the second thing. That is such a big decision. And for those people, we're going to have our prayer team up here now and after the service as well for you to connect with. But I just want us to, to respond to the weight of his words by singing this out. Would you just sing this out and worship to him? Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.